0: good morning good afternoon good evening this is mega Sheen your podcast for everything gay, gay and geeky from a queer black perspective I am Nick and Victor is currently doing God knows what in LA with uh, LA Pride I think he was today I have author uh I find him amusing funny smart. Uh, one of the people I love to follow on Twitter, Mr. Stephen Underwood, is here to join us.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. That that weird gap was this. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> was like I have author? <laughs>
0: <laughs> My bad. I was, you know, I, I usually, if I have a uh, a guest, so full disclosure, I'll have like a little bio that I make up that I read. And I was getting all of the notes done, and I completely—I was like, "Wait, I don't have anything to say about Stephen." I was like, "Oh shit,
1: let me just do it on the cuff." But I'm you glad got, you caught that. And all the bios floating <laughs> around the internet. That's why I, I keep—I I make bios, of my mom like treated grown, like raising children, like she's mm-hmm. running away from the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> I want ChatGPT GPT to be as confused by me as possible. I like the fact that chat, uh, a lot of search engines confuse me for fifteen different people. It's like who is exactly this exactly what I need? I'm not even the only Stephen Underwood who's a journalist. I'm not the only Stephen Underwood who's an author. I'm at war when you Google my name with some random police officer who quote unquote lost his life serving serving the community. Uh
0: Oh lord. You, this is where is Karma San Diego looking?
1: This never find me. Right, <laughs> I'm I'm the world's waldo in the back of the goddamn book.
0: I oh, know that's right. <laughs> but Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today on this episode. Uh, so let's go ahead and get right into it. Um, the Food and Drug Administration announced early May that my most a gay and bisexual men who are in a monogamous relationship with a man won't have to refrain from sex in order to donate blood, which they have had this ban on uh, queer men for, oh, goodness, 30 plus, I want to say even longer. Um, and now they're just kind of finishing, well, starting to loosen up their, policies. And it's only the the FDA, other uh, agencies internationally have loosened up their policies when it comes to queer men donating blood. And for some odd reason, the FDA kept on holding on to this antiquated and actually homophobic policy. Uh, Now, the agency also uh, will recommend a series of individual risk-based questions to determine eligibility, eligibility. and they said that those questions will be the same for each donor, regardless of sexual orientation, gender, and sex. However, the FDA is still, there's still a barrier for individuals who are on PrEP, so that's percentage-wise a lot of the queer community or queer men uh, community, which I don't know, understand why the FDA put this barrier with individuals who are on PrEP when they know that they are the ones who regulated
1: PrEP. So what are your thoughts about this? Uh um, DL man um, created these rules. Uh-huh. Uh It was a very vindictive DL man on Grinder who, uh, <laughs> Who's feeling away about not being sent pictures because he refuses to send one at first. Uh, um, there's levels to like how serophilia, you know, seraphobia and a lot of different things pop up within medicine, within medicine, and within administration, across the board. Um, but this one, some aspects of these rules have always felt more horror-phobic, um, and how they navigate these conversations, like even the emphasis on monogamous relationships. Um, which has oh. been like a sore point during Pride because a lot of the attacks and a lot of the schisms that I've seen has had to deal with. Um this perception on like who is a whore, who isn't a whore, uh the health standards surrounding it, what is quantifiably a preferred or a better way to practice sex. Um I've always felt like the FDI has the wrong person, the uh, wrong group of people banned from donating because most straight people probably should be on that list. Mm. um just because you went know, with the conversation of statistically who is less likely to be tested in the first place um that's always there but even then they always test the blood and always um look after it i was very actively a part of the blood drive when i was in high school um a century ago accurately right. really a century ago uh <laughs> um i constantly donated blood it was a very sore point in my family uh to even do that because i was very strong witness um and my mom was not like a devout practitioner but my grandparents were and they always felt like hey kind of going through like a very tricky thing where you donate blood within the kingdom hall mm-hmm. um, because though you cannot get blood transfusions uh is you donating blood actively encouraging others to get blood transfusions um with that being said i didn't give a fuck so <laughs> i did whatever i wanted to uh my mom's main concern was like don't put on your driver's license that you're an organ donor because they'll let you die and take your organs um, like, it so, sounds like a black mom that let's that's, that's like, let you die right it down there. It's, <laughs> I'm just like, if I'm dead, I don't give a fuck, so, right? Um, but overall, I think the FDA's decisions reflects like the gap between people who are creating rules and structure and who control like finance and money, and the people who are actually actively participating in those cultures. Um. There's a, like I, one thing I learned about working in advertising: is a significant age gap between people who make decisions that impact the most amount of people, and the people who are impacted typically and who have strong feelings about how things are working on a condition level. Um, I think that the FDA is trying to cover their asses too much for a, a bunch of people who basically have changed the food pyramid fifteen different times. Mm. Um, I think the standard on what can quantify least protect the most people when you're talking about blood donations does not match the amount of blood donations they need to actually carry, um, and the amount of people who actively participate in blood drives and blood donations to better facilitate the facilitate the communities. Um, with that being said, who's monogamous anymore? <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Uh-oh. yeah. I mean this whole the whole idea of monogamy I if you would have asked me 15 years ago that monogamy is the only way I would have agreed with you now it just feels so
1: oh, I do antiquated and, person and oh my god it's overwhelming one person um like, I was speaking to an executive producer before and uh, we were talking about the concept of soulmates and he said, I'm a romantic. I believe in soulmates and I, I grew up in a different era of the queer community where you just wanted to find your person and that person was your own person and you're never going to get divorced. I'm like, the divorce rates in this country are the, astronomical. Uh, right? Um Love is is meant to wither and you get bored of motherfuckers. At that time, you don't hate the person you love at least 15 times before the day you die. You haven't changed. Uh, <sighs> Uh, Soulmates <laughs> is a lie and on Corcola, we have multiple lovers. Everyone's fucking everybody.
0: <laughs> right, like I yeah, this whole idea of, oh, I can only be with one person and that one person has to be my only person and the, like that is too much pressure on
1: somebody. Like You can't ever like anyone else other than me and you better not ever talk about it. If you find other people attracted, that's fucking gross. Right. You're, like, oh, you're a slut. Like, things like that. It's, it's like, a hello? The <laughs> real quick. Uh.
0: It's just odd. It's just very odd to me. Um, and uh, personally, like, right now, I'm going on this, I don't want to say journey, but this discovery of kinks and fetishes that appeal to me. And monogamy with learning about these kinks and fetishes are, is breaking that wall of monogamy down. It's like, oh, I want to explore this or that or this or that. And it's really changing my idea of a relationship, which I I, I find fascinating because I'm one of those big old nerds that love to learn. Uh, and self-discovery, I think is the best way of learning. But uh, The FDA, going back to the original uh, uh, idea, I I guess this is a, a okay thing, but still, it just seems why did it take so long? And to your point, it just seems like they were are covering their asses
1: that the issue is that they overcomplicate things like i someone mm-hmm. um, i grew up in columbus ohio and one of the main things you learn growing up in Columbus, ohio is that when things are too complicated to figure out by anyone you're just talking to um it's meant to ostracize them um right like um our we've been gerrymandered into hell in Columbus, ohio like there's no way you can't find a district that doesn't make any sense you got people who work in one county when they had no they drive past a voting poll station around the corner from the house every single day. We Had to go a full five miles away from their house um, mm-hmm. all the way to go vote, rather than go to the place that's around the corner. That was just, that was the case for me and my family. Um, we lived down the street from my high school, and the high school was a voting was a polling location, and you had to go clear across Franklin County to go and to participate in the elections. Um, when you get into those uh, the polling booths. They ask you like 15 different questions and ask you for at least 15 different documents to verify where you live before uh-huh. you can make it through. Most people who, who have um, ESL or who's like struggles with their English structurally or who might need assistance or accommodation cannot get past that first hurdle of trying to figure out what they need to bring and then also what qualifies as a legal document under the eyes of the Ohio uh, federal government um, standards. And Uh so they don't participate in elections. They don't do anything. Likewise, if you don't want to give blood because it's it's cumbersome, um, you might pass out. There's been many people I've seen who have passed out. I've had to facilitate people who passed out during blood drives. Um, It is just strictly an uncomfortable experience. If you have very thin veins, like I do, and my family does, um, you have to be pricked multiple times you yep. to go under your machine. It's like an hour out of your day, maybe an hour and a half, just to give blood in the first place. And so, No one's going to want to do it because there's a bunch of rules that say that they shouldn't, and that means that the standard that is on the legislation is actually discouraging people from participating. Um, exactly. That being said, if you don't want my blood, to say so. That's all. I was good yeah.
0: not donating, so... <laughs> If you just want, don't want my nigga blood, just say that.
1: Just <laughs> listen, listen, listen. This blood is tainted by a reverse side. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that's one benefit. Sides be up,
0: right? In any event, I don't want to say kudos, Susan, but okay, FDA, but you have some shady practices in the past, and we're gonna keep our eye on you as far as uh, allowing us to donate. And some other news, the crack house known as Crackle Barrel is allegedly has fallen, like it's another um, movie in the series of London is Fallen by Gerard Butler. So, people are losing their shit about Cracker Barrel showing some rainbow colored rocking chairs and saying they are down with pride. And all of these bigots are saying, oh, I'm never eating there again. Oh, uh, crackle Barrel has fallen. Now, Cracker Barrel has, hadn't been like this. Uh, in 1991, the company said that they're not going to hire. They weren't going to hire any gay people, and had fired at least nine that same year. Now, fast forward to t- uh, 2002, the parent company, uh, CBRL, added sexual orientation to their non-discrimination policy. And it seems like over the years that the Crackle Barrel is actually doing the work as far as being inclusive. Now. If I eat there, I still have to have my freedom papers because I don't know how they feel about Black folks. But as far
1: as being gay, I guess it's okay. What are your thoughts? This is the result of kitschy white gays. Um, this, is <laughs> this is their work. Uh, they said, "I want to fuck cow- cowboys." I'm giving brokeback Mountain tea, and <laughs> they walked into a Cracker Barrel. They found the most. This is what they say. Love to say to do. This is the first time they did for the first break.
2: <laughs>
1: they, they like I feel like Crackerberry represents everything white gays love. Like there's old women being kind of racist there. Um, real real my grandma energy. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of expensive shit in a gift shop that really you don't need. Um, there is a lot of phallic food that you can eat suggestively when you're trying to flirt with someone's father <laughs> across the room and break a happy home up. Right. And also, it is intrinsically um, oppressive to those Black bodies within that room, and so that, mm, they love it. Right. Oh, just, just a little ostracization over fried, uh, chicken fried steak and grits that are soggy as hell and completely... Unsafe. Nobody can do good
0: grits. Nobody can do... Good grits I... Except my mama. I'm, it's just... <laughs> I, I don't trust anybody's grits. I don't trust uh, everybody's potato salad, um, or greens, because some of these greens look. Oh,
1: we trying to just... work on my grits. I, I'm working on my recipe. Um, I'm trying to get it like to the thick consistency, consistency, and the mm-hmm. same as my mom makes it. But it's real. It's real easy to overseason grits if you're not making a lot out of
0: it. If I make. I always make too much, and. Yeah. Uh, I know you can't we're going in the
1: fridge like that. You can't because you no. it in the fridge. It's going to turn into a brick. Yeah. You're going to keep it running over the hot stove for like the whole day. And just go, whoever wants this goddamn grits, please eat
0: it. <laughs> please, 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 please. I know some people use a bouillon instead of just water. And to thicken mine up, I use heavy whipping cream and butter to give that little. Well, something, something. Like,
1: I only just use water, and I say, like, "Well, what about milk?" And she says, "Ill, don't use milk." I'm, saying, I'm like, "You put cheese in your grits, ma." You make cheese grits for a so, like, what do you think is going in there? It's, it's gonna offset the taste too much. Get out uh-huh. of my see. He... Uh,
2: <laughs> that's they're
1: too much. But no, Cracker Barrel. Um, I it's always like a slave plantation. The idea that Cracker Barrel would say that they are not, they're gonna um let people go at some point is interesting this close to Juneteenth <laughs> mm. it's it's All giving right. I, I don't
0: know I haven't eaten there in years because I thought the food was bland as hell but um, yeah I don't I really don't give a fuck about Crackle Barrel if you're down with us cool but don't be down with us just for Pride Month so you can slap a, a rainbow on your shit and say, oh, we we like you, faggots over here, because you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen, because I don't think a lot of uh, companies are rainbow washing their logos and whatnot. I've maybe seen two on social media, but it it seems like they, the facade is okay. We we were just doing this just to get y'all's money.
1: Well, is that, but there's also like aspects of it that is, um. The tech crash this year. Um, mm-hmm. I've been paying too close attention to that because I work in advertising and that when tech goes down, everyone's industries get impacted. You know, right? the tech uh, crash of this year in the first quarter, when they laid off a bunch of people, like that impacts impacted what's going on with the WGA and their ability to negotiate because Netflix is a tech company um, at the end of the day. And a bunch of these streamers are tech companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a question of, like, you laid off all these people, which Netflix did. Um, a lot of journalists were let go from to doom. Um, So what's going to happen to the wider industry? Um, a lot of companies, like I'm working in advertising, a lot of clients just did not want to do any themed events. Uh, if they did, they didn't want to do any collabs. There's no influencer, no money for talent. Boom. And that's coming out whenever you see, like, something like Pride Month. They go like, okay, so how are we going to do Pride Month? Don't say anything big or extravagant we don't have that in the budget we're just going to ask like do you want to do like a tweet oh (laughs) some type of like low list like we'll pay you the company a certain amount of money yeah for like advertising and marketing and things like that but you guys need to work in-house we need to figure anything out or make sure that you're allocating the budget properly so that it's not going to be too big like um I worked on a, a a Twitter campaign for Stonewall for a company, and I'm not going to name just yet because <laughs> I don't know if that's going to give me in trouble at work, uh, but the whole enterprise was very like, cool, like, the wider company doesn't care that we do this, but me, your liaison, I'll, I want to see this and I want to see us make sure we're representing these things. To be an authentic brand, and to make sure that people know that we care, we had a conversation of are we going to do something for Juneteenth? And I'm like, I don't think we should, because the company I work for—if you heard them talk about Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) freedom—we have like I saw y'all tweeting about like, oh, Happy Freedom Day, get your papers. Um, (laughs) I will be like, (laughs) oh my god, warehouses,
0: right? Oh no, ma'am
1: why is a <laughs> robot delivering my packages things like that right. come to the forefront of my mind not oh you guys really care about black people thank you so much sashay away like, right but, no
2: it's
0: yeah I, I completely it's not like I didn't forget about it it was I didn't realize I knew tech the layoffs in tech had an effect but I didn't realize how much of an effect it had on you know when it comes to um when it was uh currently pride month or you know when it's what was uh wasn't may um asian american pacific islander appreciation month
1: the api
0: yeah um,
1: um might as well clicking now <laughs> <laughs> I I can't ever deny what everyone says like no one gives Asian american their due during anything. I was like, I don't disagree. Mm. <laughs> like we I saw the numbers of like well, how well our work for like AAPI here this month did versus the moment we put something up for pride record breaking numbers. Our metrics were out of the roof. Like we we did that. Right,
0: right. I agree. Like it's hard for me. Well, I'll, I'll akin this to that uh, there was a tweet uh, saying that uh, the Little Mermaid was bombing in China or in some Asian countries. And then somebody Miles was like, oh.
1: isn't on, his, Miles Morales' mask isn't off in any of the promotions for Call Spider Verse uh-huh. in any Asian country uh is basically tricking them into going to see the movie not realizing that Miles is black. And there was a scandal also online on TikTok that people exposed that the voice actor for Miles Morales in uh China is known to be anti black. Uh, really? Oh. And they never they never screened for that because they wouldn't screen for that. Mm-hmm. Because if they screen for anti blackness in China, mm. throw a break. You'll hit you hit a few people. Girl. You might hit a toddler.
0: You might hit a whole family. High key, cause yeah, the the anti-blackness in at the Asian community is not like it's not a thing. And I was telling somebody this the other day. There's always a derogatory slur in any language when it comes to black people. Mm-hmm. So you know, anti-blackness is worldwide. It's
1: lucrative in a sense. So and it's also like even China's, like, beauty standard um, is very intimately connected to what has been <coughs> for a long time. It's imperial in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard, like, speaking to people who go to China thinking that it's going to be one way, or people who have lived in China for a long term, like a few people. But I know Tevin, who is a mutual man on Twitter, has been for years now, like, almost going on eight years, um, has talked about his experiences in China and how, like, awful it has been to, like, even be like a teacher he's done that programs like that a lot of people do after college where they go over to China and they facilitate English education classes right yeah um he he talks about like hey this entire experience for me versus my white cohorts is completely different because some of their children come in and they say very distinctly racist things you can't even call it out because their parents paid for that and this is a result of their parents actions Mm -hmm. um and even If, like, in the U.S., you probably could have had a one-on-one talk with their parents, and they'll go, at the very least, like, hey, you can't call this child the N-word, this this person the N-word in front of his face. Oh, (laughs) that kind of uh, forward? Yeah, they know, like, fully know what the N-word is, and they use it. They have rap music. They love rap music, and so they know it. Um, I've had, like, even me, I was an RA for international students, and the one student who walked up to me and said, can I say the N-word was a Chinese student. Oh, and I was like, "No, that's not okay." He said, "Oh, I thought like you know, freedom of speech." And I was like, "Whatever happens to you for saying that to someone, it happens to you. I'm not going to defend you." So I hope you know how to fight. Oh, right. <laughs> that's what like I'm saying. Other ways, like comparing you to your black, black to compare you to every other kind of black person that right. you across. Like I, they fully like we went to go see Latin on Broadway, and they kept calling me um. Because at the time, the Latin of Huawei genie was played by a black man. Yeah, uh-huh. And they kept calling me genie from Aladdin over and over again in a weird way. Oh. Uh-huh. And there's, like, little things like that where, like, the racism within China, the anti-blackness, explicitly the anti-blackness within China their beauty standard, how they view people of darker skin, like, the connotation is that it's always ugly. But then also there's, like, this weird connotation of intimidation comes mm-hmm. in to um African Americans and Black people in particular um, that I got to the grounds of. But just, like, asking, speaking to international students, says, like, oh, like, we find Black men and Black people to be ugly where I come from because, like, if your skin isn't light, then, like, you know, you you aren't pretty like the whole beauty standard is the complexion of your skin mm-hmm. um, or like the broadest of your features like the slender like slender thin. um the aesthetic is very straightforward and narrow You and, and like just this like an inherent part of like black people that just doesn't fit it and yet also like asian american men are deeply intimidated by black women and black men Yep, deeply intimidated to the point that they were asked like hey you always talk to all the white girls on campus. Why don't you like did you ever think see yourself dating or talk to a, a black woman? And he like goes stark white right? he goes, No. And says not because like I would get in trouble for it. I don't think I would. But he's just like speaking to black women scares me. Because I feel like they are used to black men and I wouldn't be able to accommodate anything they need. Um and by that he was basically making a dick a statement about his dick size. Mm-hmm. I, was, like, I don't think I could No, Like they would laugh at me. I'm like, so you're a very terrified of black woman. <laughs> Petrified. Week, you like... you, but you want to perpetuate racism. Do you think that we can only do that by talking about your dick size? Because we're very mean.
0: Oh. <laughs> black <laughs> folks are some of the
1: nastiest
0: people I have ever met. Uh we yeah. Have
1: mastered the craft of being passive-aggressive so well that we are actively aggressive at you. And, and there's nothing passive about it. And right, yet you take it as a secondhand playfulness when we're really being very serious. So we we'll just say that. especially like white
0: people do not get it. Like, I will joke. I will joke with white folks in a way that, oh, he's he's just kidding, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, bitch, I'm not really kidding. No. You're just not I smart enough to get it. it. It's just. No.
1: White people. <laughs> Cracker Barrel. Yes, it, this. Um, get it together.
0: Get that food together too, and stop looking like one of those sharecropping ass houses. It just, it just screams. I
1: go spiritual every time I walk through the front door with my grandparents. It oh, listen. <laughs> I just make sure I have.
0: Uh, Harriet Tubman's phone up on speed dial just in case I have to make
1: I it. I try not to get syrup <laughs> on my pancakes and crack a barrel for breakfast because I don't want anyone to compare my grandma to Aunt Jemima.
0: Y'all almost choked on this coffee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! But yeah,
0: I uh Hooray for the crack house. Um, so, uh, Stephen, are you a big gamer?
1: Oh, I, I, this is issue. I used to be a gamer. I wanted to be a gamer. Um, but then I took up a passion project called writing and you can't be both a writer and a gamer because <laughs> the very act of gaming is a time sink. And when you sink time like that, you have a, a crippling guilt that comes to your stomach. Like, I could be writing right now. I did recently get a switch.
0: Okay. Right so here.
1: that's, that's a start. And we played Pokemon on it okay um and by play i mean i haven't played pokemon since like generation six and i've had to catch up i skip black i don't understand how fairy types work um <laughs> <these> <laughs> evolutions terrify me right i and the issue is my favorite typing is dark type so i play a dark type pokemon
0: uh-huh.
1: ask me how long it took me to figure out that fairy types are strong against dark types they are (laughs) hold
0: on like because i am way i'm like you i don't my partner has a switch i don't i don't like the switch well hold on i'll take that back i don't play the switch and the last pokemon i played was yellow so i'm right there with you as far as behind on generations and all of these other pokemon look weird to me like
1: I give it, I give them credit where credit is due. I'm like, some people don't like the designs of the new Pokemon. I'm like, well, it gives a distinctive image to every single like region. Right. Like, the because I'm like, if if you live in a different part of the world, these Pokemon should kind of look different. Um, and also you're now dealing with uh a more advanced sprite selection. And yeah. So like it's you have to get interesting in different ways. Um, I think I like the idea of people pitching Pokemon, but it's like there's only so many animal variations in the world, and some of these Pokemon are meant to be bizarre looking because I'm like, how are you gonna look at a ghost type, which is inspired by the yokai of Japan, and go, mm-hmm. yeah, that should look simple. That should look normal, for an animal. Like they bring up like the little keys Pokemon. And they're like, oh, that really should be a Pokemon. It's just a set of keys. What do you call Porygon? What is Muck? Ah. Uh-huh. I don't know, Because y'all can not that question for a good ten years. I don't know. Some of you said Jinx is very. Woman, I don't get Jinx is like, anti-black. No, this it's like, it's, is a Yuki Ona. Like it's a whole thing. You guys just don't get it because you're culturalist Americans, and also you don't understand that it's a black woman because we think black people are scary.
0: Mm. Uh, as soon I remember the first time I saw Jinx, and I was like, "Is this not some kind of throwback to?" Some kind of menstrual show that they were trying to do. And it just felt gross looking at that
1: Pokemon. It's like, no, it's a ona, Even Smoochum learns Kiss of, uh, Kiss of Ice or something. And I was like, two things can be true at once. I okay. fully believe that this is a Yukiona, and I also fully believe that some animator up in there was like, oh, we should make it terrifying. Let's make it a black person.
0: Right. <laughs> Give her these big old nigga lips and these
1: these nero lips and let her try to sexually assault people because she doesn't understand that they don't want to kiss her
0: right now she's a, a sex offender like get the fuck out of here but i say that if i ask you that because the summer gang fest occurred this past week and some big highlights for me uh was uh mortal kombat we're going all the way back to one they finally announced some, uh, well, released some gameplay, and it looks good. Uh, they're introducing what they're called the Cameo Fighters, which is, I guess, similar to uh, tag team battles. If you played uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, something of the sort like that. Um, and the roster is set to look impressive. Uh, they only showed a little bit um, of their characters. But... uh Raiden, Kung Lao, Scorpion, Sub Zero, Melina, Katana, uh, Johnny Cage—those are the ones I know are going to be in it. I'm hoping to be have some more female fighters because you know, obviously, the gays love playing with the gays. Need representation, yeah,
1: uh, of course, because and the most the flimsiest of outfits.
0: <laughs>
1: feminist, I say pro gay,
0: <laughs> right? I, I'm hoping we get Jade. And I remember way back in the day when Jade, when she was on Mortal Kombat three, that she had like a really low cut fade, and she was a little darker. And now they light her up and ha- got her this this yakky. Um
1: which Bust I mean down, down her back, I had down her
0: back all down the all the way down her back, thirty two inches,
1: right? Inches, baby, femme queen.
0: You 10. could never. Um, and I like the, um, the revamp of Scarlet, uh, in a sense that she's all covered up in this, but she's still, to me, it's sexy. Um, I hope they bring back Tanya because Tanya was that bitch that nobody trusted, but everybody loved, uh, maybe some new characters. I know they'll probably bring back that Republican ass Song of Blade. Um, who else? I Kano, ass. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, if, as far as other women, I mean, they could maybe bring back Shiva, but I don't think, I don't think the audience or the gamers want her back. Sandeo, I don't see a way of her coming back, especially if this it's like a restart of the series. Um, but yeah, I'm excited, excited about uh Mortal Kombat. Mortal
1: Kombat lore has always been so... Mortal Kombat is so weird to me, because it's one of the first series people go, the lore makes no sense, no (laughs) pay attention to that shit. Like, don't ask no damn questions. You ain't gonna get any funny answers. Uh, You're not, because um, they they always change the
0: stories, or they retcon somebody's story to make it make sense, but then they do it again.
1: Whoever's marketable right now, they they, Uh, they alternate it, and also they ask questions of, like, now there's, there's competitive and, like, they ask... That's the thing that kind of ruined Pokemon, is that all these Pokemon are designed to be for competitive gameplay. um And now there's, like, even when you go to, like, uh any of the competitive matches, they have, like, I think there's, like, a 60 or 80 Pokemon variation system of, like, a lot of Pokemon are crap.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: These Pokemon aren't. And they're looking at, like, down to the moveset, like, this Pokemon with this nature, and it can do this thing, and now, like, it's it, it's a it's little much. much. It's a it's little much. It's a little much, baby. And now there's like hundreds of thousands of dollars in the line for it and everything. And, like, now, now you get the honor. Of like, if you win this world competition, you get to design the next Pokemon. You get final approvals. It's it's a little weird. It, it is. Um, yeah. like I grew up in Mortal Kombat. My, my father used to play the arcade games. So the game came out on, like, a game console. Mm-hmm. He... Got it. We, hit, we would have like twenty person Mortal Kombat tournaments. Um, old school rules. You lose, you pass those sticks up. Right. Ain't no hogging. Next right. Person, don't cry. Keep it moving. Like... Don't cry. Keep it up. Maybe <laughs> next time you'll be better at this. Maybe it'll encourage you to not be such a little bitch about it. <laughs> and that's the energy I grew up in in Philly
2: mm-hmm.
1: playing Mortal Kombat games. My dad did not go easy on me ever. No game. Right. Ever. <laughs> i mean i appreciate that
0: um the people i play with well some of the people i play with um are very i don't want to say they're competitive but they are used to a fighting game so when we do our little lobbies and whatnot especially when injustice 2 came out we would be on that hoe for like four or five hours and it'd be a gang of niggas in there just beating the shit at each other uh and they i think one of them Usually goes to Combo Breaker. I think that's that uh, tournament down in Texas. Um, And he's good. Uh, But I've never been, I thought I was good. I thought I was so good at fighters. Then I hopped my ass on online. Woo, baby. I got my ass handed to me. I was like, oh, oh, okay.
1: we'll fuck you up.
0: Right? It have they me in master, the corner. The
1: timing, they you know how big the hitbox is on your character. <laughs> that that is like a fucking
0: job to know. Oh, this move does such and such damage, but you can only do it in such and such i I'm like, look, I don't work this much at my fucking job, so
1: why the fuck am I, I gonna try to do this? Sim scores and how much of a roll it is. They can tell you like, oh, you this move is actually a D one hundred. And you have, a, like, a 10% chance of, like, you know, mm-hmm. against someone and, like, almost getting their ass completely out. Um,
0: like, dumb that down for me because I don't, like, I, I don't get it. I do not get it at all, but...
1: And that's why we play Skyrim. You know, know. I would play Skyrim. Sandbox. I'm gonna run around and do nothing. for not just...
0: I would do Skyrim, except like, I think I have it still in the package for the DS3. I don't like spiders. And, oh, there's Hella Spiders. Yeah, I'm like, well, there goes that game. And there was Hella Spiders in Mortal Kombat, the uh, Mortal Kombat 11, like in the, um, what did I call that, the crypt or the yeah, the crypt. And I never, I would always get right before them and then turn the game off. I'm like, I'm not trying to get grossed out or anything, but I don't think it's arachnophobia in the sense that a live spider, I'm okay with. One of these.
1: In Elden Ring is also the closest thing you get to with Skyrim And They have spiders. They have worse than. Everything in Elden Ring is worse than a spider on the screen. Oof.
0: And I was going to play Elden Ring too.
1: Mm. <laughs> Everything on Elden Ring is worse than a spider on the screen. Oof. You want to see a, a huge walking, crawling, decapitated like, hand. Just going across the screen like uh, like the thing.
0: uh no,
1: you know, I might be good on that. They, those things move fast and come out. Oh, like a little road, scary you. Mm.
0: Yeah, I might I might have to forego playing an Elden Ring, even though I know it's good.
1: i to play Baldur's Gate three when it drops in a few months.
0: I that looks interesting. I I hadn't played any of the others, but I'm always I love a good RPG. And get and lost it's, in it.
1: Use the five E system. It it is fully comprehensive, fully online. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally I think I told you that after we do this, I'm getting ready to host a and D session. Um, I mean my father actually used to play Champions of Nora and Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate back in the day. I played Baldur's Gate three. Um, I was running through River Deep uh as an elf, you know. <laughs> Champions of Nora was actually the first time I ever saw a black wizard in um any uh Fantasy or fiction, because if you know anything about Champions of Norath it was a custom. You customize your character at the very start, and mm-hmm. the only black people in the game were the wizards. So, if you wanted to be a wizard, you had to play as a black woman or a black man. Um, no, if answer, so but there was no alternating, and they were like deeply African inspired, like their garb and get-up. They have black oh. hairstyles all the way through. They have dreadlocks. You have a fade. You can have a mini fro. You can have. Uh twist going down your back. I think they also did free locks as well. Okay. They did a bunch of different haircuts. Um, and that's the only way you can play a wizard. Mm. Otherwise, like you only white people that was there was every other race.
2: <laughs>
1: I think the elves were vaguely Asian. Like they uh-huh. um the elves were the rangers. You you have an arrow and you have bows, and the only magic you can do. Are from arrows and bows, mm-hmm. and that's it. Well, oh, yeah. the sequel came out. You would be a lion person, <laughs> you would be a feline person. I think it's called uh, is that Leonin? I think they're supposed to be Tabaxi. Uh huh. Leonin came out just yet. Okay, you'd be a lizard um, druid, lizard folk druid. That's a interesting combination.
0: Um. So did you um, did you play Final Fantasy VII back in the day?
1: Mm-mm. I was not a fan of Final Fantasy Girly. <gasps> Something about turn-based was turning me off. i was clicking down as a kid. i like, I want to move freely. I'm more an X-Men Legends type. <laughs> okay, so... X-Men Legends uses the system from Champions of Noraf. That's their system. Really? They reskinned it. Yeah, they reskinned it and made it into X-Men Evolution, uh, X-Men Legends, and then they did uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. X Men Legends Two and the Marvel Alliance Two, and they went okay. They're sick of this, so we can't do any more games.
0: You know, I don't. Before I talk about Final Fantasy, why haven't we gotten a remake of X Men Legends? I thought Marvel's Adventures was going to be like our X Men Legends, but it wasn't at all. It was terrible. I won't. I I won't say terrible. It was just bad.
1: It was the system that was used. Like again, like they did not customize and Marvel would never customize their own system for a video game. They will always just reskin something else Mm -hmm. unless they have explicit decisions to do other things. Um, even I think across the Spider-Verse was supposed to be a justification to sell the new Spider-Man games. Mm -hmm. Um so the Spider-Man movies were were just doing that. We're gonna sell games. Um without Without Baldur's Gate having a game coming out, or like Chambers of Nora, like their system that they use, the mm-hmm. in-house production company couldn't really create a system that would justify something like X Men Legends existing. Um, oh. Also, most people were just Avengers fans, so there wasn't a lot of leeway of trying to create a game with recognizable characters that people will try to to forgive the fact that the gameplay is kind of shit, over <laughs> or repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole appeal of Marvel Legends in itself is like it's more of a cooperative RPG with a right. fun story and like it's a hit. It's kind of like nods to canon just a little bit, and that kind of became hard. I think they are waiting for Baldur's Gate three to drop where it's get really popular, for people to like it, and then they're gonna go, okay, so how can we reskin this to be a Marvel game, uh-huh. uh, which is really possible to do because it's a is a it's a, a role based system, it's turn based combat but they did it in a way that is really interesting. So I think they might be planning to drop a new cooperative video game like like X-Men Legends. So.
0: I hope so because X-Men Legends was so fun. Um but going to Final Fantasy 7. So rebirth so initially they made they came out with this whole new remake of seven I want to say two or three years ago. And it was it was I enjoyed it for what it's worth now because I was brought up on uh turn base I'm still kind of getting used to the the uh the systems that they have which Mm -hmm. is eh but um Rebirth is coming out um it got delayed to 2024 and apparently it's going to be so big that it's going to be on two disc which Mm
1: -hmm. if it's on two discs how,
0: How big is, big is that,
1: that file? Like, <laughs> right. It's like... it's like. But once you download it to your system, it'll just exist. I, Why I, does it need I, two disks? I and don't get it. Good question. So that we can tell you it's on two disks, it's so massive. It's like when people, it's like in like sales, when you don't, you're not supposed to put out all the product. You only supposed to put like five of it. So it gets mm-hmm. the image that they're going to run out. And so you have to hurry up and get whatever is there. And then they come back with more and just put mm-hmm. um, it. I learned this from watching Got To Be Real when they were making fun of uh, Aretha Franklin because in Walmart they put our albums out rather than keeping only like five out. (laughs) They're trying to get rid of the shit. (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) Uh, God, I wish she had made some more now, especially now. I think
1: she's working in the industry. I think that's why, because she deleted the channel as well. Yeah, Um, she's like, Got To Be Real is no longer on there. And she doesn't have a Twitter. I once sent her like $50. Uh, for funsies uh just was also I got done watching the show and I was like she deserves money Andrea deserves money here fifty dollars this was a good series you're not getting residuals off of this right you probably should and she just she just doesn't respond I think she was running Dion Warwick's uh Twitter account really you know but that that tracks that tracks so I mean, it's, it's much. Like the voice I, mean, I was just listening to the voice of Dion Warwick's Twitter account I was like it sounds like Patty the Hell because I remember when she was going by Maleficent on Twitter. I was there following her. Mm-hmm. I find her ass. She's going in my book. She's going mm-hmm. in forever for the culture. And I went <laughs> to sit down, Andrea. I was like, how unhinged do you have to be? <laughs> <laughs> how bored were you the day you made a, a redub of fucking divas, black divas from the music era, and mm-hmm. so you made the first of Rich series? I, was like, I don't know if you know what a bridge series is, Andrea, but you made it a bridge series where you just redubbed stars, right? And the bravery that takes, the bravery, the the knowledge, the
0: intelligence, it's the I never had
1: oh, the ah. mother have always wanted. <laughs> 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 I'll be mean, a rolling caveat myself because I want to make sure I people respect my pimpin'. I know that This Is Mac TV made the first uh, official series like that. However, mm-hmm. This Is Mac TV was not as comprehensive as Got to Be Real in terms of he understood that he was making fun of Sierra.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He understood <laughs> that he was making fun of Beyonce, he understood that he was a Beyonce stand. But Andrea made fun of even Beyonce on a level of only a fan can make fun of Beyonce.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. That's that's why I think it it was never any um vindictiveness toward it, it throughout the series. It was it was a appreciation of all of the love that I've had for these divas, old and new. And for burgers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like how just, she just knows about certain eras of like being that diva. And it was like, yeah, Back in like the 80s and the 90s, you were a diva who was on hard times. You go, you get a check from McDonald's and you would get on that goddamn commercial. You better sing mm-hmm. about that fucking Exactly. Bizet, you know? Exactly. Like
0: the whole, uh, once, you know, so one of them would say something and it would cut to the specific thing that they were just talking about. Like that sort of. <sighs>
2: oh my god if if
0: you didn't uh, watch that show that series you missed it you missed some jokes that are still being uh said today
1: when i'm having i I fully tell people i got to be real taught me how to shade oh Mm -hmm. my god i learned so much from got to be real about how to clear a bitch out Mm, (laughs) exactly oh my god yes oh Oh, it was so whenever I'm, i'm having a hard day and my job is trying to murder me, and I'm like on my last cusp. Like it's full, of like tired energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I'm like real, like I'm in like a row, kind of tramping through the room. But I'm, like, I'm walking up the steps to my apartment real slow, <laughs> like you know, full on, real roughly, real Harlem energy. <laughs> so right. I go into my bedroom, popping my head, my earbuds. I'm I'm gonna go, got to be real.
0: Exactly. I. I always say, though, one of my favorite jokes is when uh, Dion said, uh, with great power comes a greater electricity bill. I'm about to knock your damn lights out. Oh, wow. Somebody said, uh, Patty said, if you're not going to, no, Aretha said, if you're not going to home run and run home, just... Oh, I miss that show. I like,
1: miss that Yana, show. Baby, maybe you should learn how to sing or dance or <laughs> perhaps do one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to do one. you want gonna call yourself a baby.
0: Oh, they would just oh I love that show. But going but you see, this is what we do all the time on the show. Random ass tangents that go. Three, four levels out of what we were initially saying. Get uh, yeah, me and Victor are always going talking about fucking Jim and the holograms, or a random ass movie or random ass music uh, song that reminds us of, you know, something that happened twenty years ago. But going back to Final you Fantasy, just
1: see me put moisturizer on my face. I- <laughs> like, so I'm like. I- <laughs> I was like, oh no, my face. <laughs> but final fantasy. Ladies and gentlemen at home, um, it's eight, it was eight a.m. when we started. Oh yeah, because I woke up at 8 30 and I rolled out of bed and I was like, you know what? Steve, um Uncle Uncle had a hard time partying last night. <laughs>
0: I mean, at least you had fun though. Because what were you drinking? Whiskey.
1: Oh yeah, we had we had a blast, Zach Fox is always great on the um DJing. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I thought you were in New York. I didn't know you were West Coast-based. Oh, no, yeah. I used to be in New York. I used to live in Bushwick. That's um, what oh, then, I thought I Yeah. hmm It was wild. Like, it was so funny re- recording um KRK Radio, and I would do episodes, but I was, like, basically, I ride a corner from Henry, but we never hung out. Mm-hmm. Um, we were both always so busy. It just never... Our schedules never collided, and then I moved, and then, like... Everyone would assume, like, oh, you guys must be recording, like, in a booth somewhere. I'm like, no, we're on, like, we had, we were on Zoom originally, and then we realized Zoom's, comp- like, system sucks. Uh-huh. So, we, <laughs> we went to um, this other program, and, like, we recorded on there, and that was our forever home. That's our baby, because mm-hmm. uh, they let us record audio for free. <laughs> we,
0: we love free. If
1: you do podcasting, which, I, like, hats off to you, you know, like, the behind-the-scenes of running a podcast is worse than the actual part of sitting down. yeah it's it's a mess spiritual side like, yeah <laughs> even i working for a podcast company uh as a client and trying to get people like you i oh i want to spotlight my friends basically i want to spotlight these uh these podcasts of our respect and realizing that some people don't know what is a good system like the whole we're gonna start off as just a soundcloud podcast all right now we're on spotify and soundcloud now we're on apple pods Spotify and SoundCloud. That should be all of them, right? There's no big one you're like Amazon music. You're like, who listens to Amazon music? You find out a lot of people. A lot of people, yeah. And you just figure out like the first six months of just trying to figure out like where's our audience coming from? Um, where's the opportunity? Which areas should we really focus on? Should we have a Twitter? Should we not have a Twitter? Damn, we gotta make a TikTok. Oh shit.
0: It is it is so hard uh, doing your own um social media account then you have to keep up with your uh, podcast account you have to make sure that you're following the good stories or you, oh we got to talk about that one or oh, make sure you got to promote the podcast and I am I'll be honest I am terrible at promoting the podcast because I don't want to seem like I am bombarding everybody. Oh, did you listen to it?
1: Did you listen to it? You gotta post the episode, though, right? You gotta at least at the very least post the episode. That was Bonte's job was posting the episode. He never did it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He never did it. Faithfully, we rely on one thing, it was Bonte forgetting to post the episode. Oh, yeah. Bullshit.
0: (laughs) Uh, But Final Fantasy is coming out 2024. I'm excited about it. Um... There is this part that they did in the the new one that uh I it was the the honeybee in part where they instead of making it so seedy like they did in the original, they had this whole production this Las Vegas ass production to it, and uh the main character was dancing and I don't know if he was voguing I would say he's noting, but uh. Mm-hmm. It was cute. It was gay as hell, uh,
1: but I enjoyed it. Oh, was it that segment? Because I know in Final Fantasy, is a segment where like basically the main character is like, you need to go into drag because we're going to do a reference to every mythological story mm-hmm. possible where a hero feminizes himself for the sake of the sake of the world, and he turns out he's really good at being a woman. Uh, yep, yep. That's exactly um, that part. Were like we're going to give you a makeover, dear. This is it goes full drag.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Full uh, Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie drag. It it was I enjoyed it, um, but again, uh, Final Fantasy is coming out that year, and real quickly, uh, Spider Man Two um, is set to launch in October of uh, this year, and I I think it looks really cool. Uh, I think it's going to be twice the size of the previous game. And you'll also, you'll be able to play as Peter Parker and Miles Morales. And it looks like Peter Parker, you gonna have to, somebody said you're gonna have to kill Peter at the end, but which I don't think I'm not gonna kill that white boy. Uh, you might have to beat him. You ain't gonna have to kill
1: him, you know, but it looks interesting. It looks really cool. Is it the one with the symbiote suit? And yes. like, yeah, comic fans got really upset about that one because the symbiote never mind controlled Peter. That's just a common misnomer about what happened. It uh-huh. was like, it was just being weird. It was just a weird suit. He never made him do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the symbiote doesn't take control of your mind. That's why the symbiote seeks hosts that are, you know, collaborative. It's, the symbiote is very much a feeding force, you know? That's <laughs> you a really good analogy. It. Yeah. I yeah. Don't really understand the, the symbiote, the Venom symbi- symbiote very well. And they just say things. Um, (laughs) you know know, comic book folks just
0: say stupid shit as far as um, they were saying oh Spider-Man can't be black and then somebody retweeted well here's what the creator Stan Lee says about it and they're still not they're saying yeah but yada 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 anyway I'm excited about a lot of these games that are coming out Um, I know that Victor is not a gamer. and He has never played a game outside of Super Mario Brothers. Um, But yeah, the gaming uh, world looks good. Now, um, I'm going to need help with this one. Because lately, gay Black Twitter has been in a tizzy with so many different Topics that I can't keep straight because we were. Uh, I, I, yeah, the topics have moved in the span of a few hours. Uh, we were talking about Deviant being a sex party, or, or if it's not to, uh, As
1: someone who has been to Deviant before, like twice, um. It's not really, really a sex party. Um, it's not. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think people were just being shady. Like, they took a... The main point, I think, within that... Uh, not to even jump the gun, but I think the main point they took with that was that they were trying to make a point about, like, how dangerous it is to have white people in these spaces who are there explicitly to fetishize black men mm-hmm. um, and whose rape participation is inherently about the fetish of these black men. Um, and to also glorify that with like your partnership with this white man who is dating this very young black boy and who has a history of fetishization in, at black men, especially at this HBCU, especially at young black queer men who are at a very vulnerable point in their lives where like even the comments, perceptions, and behaviors of this, um, rather than within community could impact him for the rest of his long adult life. Right. Um, there's like aspects of like the deviant conversation that I think were valid criticisms of the structure of Deviant. I think there was conversations. There's even conversations about like, oh, body positivity of Deviant it's in itself, like more of a suggestion, but it's not in the advertising. Um, that's a very fear criticism of Deviant, I think, particularly mm-hmm. because they only use explicitly uh thin or muscular um body types to yep. advertise it. Um, because and that does appeal to like, what kind of clientele you think will pop up at the event um it's even down to the models that they commissioned to appear at deviant and to go go dance basically um at the events none of them are big none of them have a an abnormal body size everyone is muscular thin gives strong energy and they are all like mostly some of them are, like only fans models and stuff like that mm-hmm. um just to set the vibe and the tempo of doing that. I will say that a lot of the criticism on Deviant is also, um, I can't really just say that, oh, you were being ridiculous entirely because there's so many events and different locations across the country and each city is different. The standard they they reflect is different. And people sometimes move between each of them. Like I think the most hostile, deviant event I went to was the last one because I was... You don't have chairs downstairs. That's an accessibility issue. I have a non-visible disability. Um, I have EDS. I have mobility. And Uh my joints get... They hurt sometimes. And I have to sit down for a moment. Um, And so the only chairs that exist are in the quote-unquote VIP section or the dark rooms. So I have to go Mm -hmm. up to the areas that are sequestered specifically for sex because while Deviant is not a sex party, it does create a safe space for advocacy and also just the reality that these all gay niggas up in here. And so if they're going to fuck, right. them, I'd rather them go upstairs to this dark room and fuck rather than fuck on the actual dance board Right. do at every other second party. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So there's, like, there was a lot of conversations. The entire conversation started, though, with the question of predation and, like, this... Um, very young black boy, Byron, who was dating this significantly older white man um, and the age gap being inherently one of a power dynamic. Um, everyone was saying that, oh, you don't know their relationship? I know what a college sophomore has in their pockets. And I know the amount of agency a college sophomore has and they have no money. They have no right. available um, opportunities. Their entire existence hinges on them carrying favor from a faculty of some sort. And mm-hmm. the community that they have is very minuscule, um, right. especially if you're going to a college that does not have a very significant queer population, which his college does not. Right. Um, so the queerness you can really interact with specifically is the DC um queer area, the queer adjacent like identity groups, which is hyper focused on prestige. Um, you can ask Henry about this. Henry talks about like oh in DC they are there is a culture within the Black queer community that is hyper fixated on prestige. Uh, up until they need to suck and fuck something, and then they get real wild during Pride events, or oh. MLK weekend, or a bunch of different things. Um, And I don't disbelieve it um, because I have seen people from D.C. as someone who's gotten his college degree, has two degrees and who's an author. They elevate me over someone like Henry because I went to college and Henry did not. My platform was more hyper-focused on journalism than quote-unquote Henry, who I think actually does a lot more than me, and Black queer spaces and Black queer advocacy. Um, than anything that I do, but because there's that one caveat of which one can make look shinier on a on a full write up um, that you have to send to an organization for funding, uh-huh. um, they always will go with me, and they can always say like, oh, you know, he's a writer, that's a prestigious title, he's an author, that's a prestigious title over someone else like that. Um, but there was overall conversation about that, and there's like very valid concerns for this young black boy, which is the root of all of our politicking, is saying that we're trying to protect black youth from um, predatory behavior there was also a fair criticism that people like Bobby lights were protecting people that they were in community with specifically these white people at the at the risk of this young black boy just because they are quote unquote friends with them or they know them in real life which creates a really hairy situation where now you are protecting this white man um by not giving any details that would if it if there was nothing wrong going on, it would not be a problem to give this information to trusted sources or to talk about this with the with the level of um intrigue, right? Level of responsibility that's kind of necessary because this is a prevalent issue. Um, that's there was a space, like at least four spaces, like a space every single guy. Girl, uh, <laughs> this. and I think the parody of those spaces took over the actual conversation of those spaces. Like, yeah, they were kicking it up in there, and some people were just venting. Uh, because that is that is a space where your community will do it. You go you go to any um, uh, city council meeting. A lot of the meeting is someone stepping up and just being very passionate. Like it's not their job always to have a solution. Like oh, I'm here at city council and I have a five step plan for fixing the park situation, or right. for me advocating for like, you know changes to patrolling of this location sometimes they go like y'all have billed me 15 times for this goddamn ticket for a location up there on westchester get that shit the fuck up out of there because it's just y'all taking money from us mm-hmm. and i feel very passionate about y'all taking money from me because i haven't feel my goddamn kids exactly and that's a very fair statement they were king up in there i'm not gonna lie they were i think the conversation of deviant even popped up because again question of sexual predation this person like y'all kind of took a picture of a thing that suggested this is the board of deviant and you're like oh no this is not the board but apparently this person does evidently have ta- um, access to the wider planning and the work that goes into deviant or, and, or they participate in deviant and while it's not a sex party we don't want events catered to us to have white people in it period because if you're saying that this is a sex positive location that we can just go and like you have a lot of black celebrity, black queer celebrity in particular going to these events and they're go- able to go to these events because they are guaranteed the safety that this is a safe space for all black queer bodies to be at, mm-hmm. um, regardless of status, regardless of hierarchy and regardless of a bunch of different things, um, you need to make sure that this is as secure a space as possible. I know you can't control tickets, but who buys one who shows up and goes in there? But I know for damn sure you can make sure that the board at least reflects the policy that we're talking about. Right. What is a failure here is that they try to deny the fact that white people do participate in these events to fetishize us. Um, They Yeah, uh, I saw that in the
0: spaces. It was just yeah. Yeah, going back to the the venting. um, There was uh, one in particular people were saying, oh, they were chastising him as far as how he was communicating but I'm thinking you may not like what how he says it but the message still reflects what what a lot of people are feeling overall so it, it just it, and it got to the point where it just became I don't want to say catty but the arguing overtook the message that they were trying to get out and to the point where I'm like, I can't listen to y'all go back and forth, back and forth, calling each other all kinds of bitches and whatnot, unless y'all have some structure in here. And
1: well, some people yeah. only came in to argue, and that's the issue, and not just Th- they did yeah. on the people who were having conversation. I think a lot of people facilitated a culture of silence um, when we uh-huh. were discussing the event, and specifically thought leaders when we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um... I can name at least 15 of them who are people who I should consider mentors or older people, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day they never reached out. They never offered space to do that. And they are always full of criticism, um, but they have never full of guidance. And uh-huh. I think that's a damn condemnation on them in their politic and where they stand in actuality on these online spaces that they have co-opted specifically because it's my generation who created these spaces and who set aside the idea that you can use social media to propel um, civil changes and propel um, racial knowledge and um, discussions on injustice that we're seeing here. And especially because the age gap conversation overrides all of this, because I do not know a black queer person who has not experienced an exploitive uh, toxic or predatory paternal figure who should have been a guide or who should have been offering um, some mm-hmm. level of clemency uh, on their journey because our adult lives is where our queerness truly activates. Like everyone talks about like oh there's like a little delay in how queer people develop but within that then it means that you should consider someone of a very young stature a very young age in the queer community like a child because they are not fully developed in their instincts of queerness. Like these people, like Bry- Bryson, lost out on formative years in his queer experience because of COVID, because uh-huh. of certain circumstances that were not made available to him. He wasn't able to propel himself into queer community. Like, all of the rest of these people who are of age, who should know better, have were able to do. Um, the conversation at large was actually significantly more fair than people were making it out to be, significantly more nuanced than people were making it out to people... Uh-huh. I overheard people in those spaces who got on stage and talked about how that they were personally victimized by individuals in our community and at institutions that should protect them like Morehouse came up or Howard came up students who were like I had faculty who were queer who were trying to fuck me and like engaged sexual relationships with me and when I rejected them they rejected me outright or like anytime I try to talk about it everyone goes oh that's just one person at Morehouse you really shouldn't be talking about that because it's Morehouse um people were naming were very close to naming names and then they go to the timeline and they see thought leaders saying that they were pussies and victims Mm -hmm. and calling them all sorts of names but child of God or even better little brother um, because they were even having this conversation and they were, quote, unquote, bored of it. Or they're like, oh, I don't see what's the big deal about this. I'm like, well, the circumstance is none of us can help this boy at all. And the people who could help them, Bobby Lights, um, aren't because right. they're friends with this white man. And that's a very damning thing to be a part of. You're perpetuating an institution that is this child being exploited because you don't want to get involved. And you're saying that, like, fundamentally is not your business which i'm like is a culture of silence that is a culture of silence that is perpetuating cycles within our community that we're seeing something wrong we know something wrong is going on but because our public image or the public image our relationships are at risk we're going to stay silent you're another grandmother who is watching a child be exploited and you're saying nothing to keep the peace to keep the family together Mm -hmm. damn the family the family fuck my husband
0: right Yeah, and then it, it came to uh, the the elder gays not stepping up and being there for the younger gays, and
1: I blocked so many was, people.
0: I was it's very, good. I don't want to say surprised, disappointed with some it's of the older gays. I'm
1: not surprised. Is disappointed? It's very disappointing. Um, uh, especially the few people who are like, "Oh, you don't know about me? Ask about me. I am known in my community. I have mentees. I and everyone. There's a reason. Again, there's a reason why everyone who is saying, um, I've had to be a mentor because no one older than me were able to do. We're all 26 to 20 to 29, maybe possibly 30. Mm-hmm. There is a reason for that, and really there's very reason like these are people like you know who have done work on Twitter who are around my age range who have published." As culture writers or digital writers or things done things like that, we have not had mentors. Me, Parkisha Kent, um, Key, Back when Key was on this app, uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Douglas, um, Dariq, None of us have had people step up and go, "We will advocate for you and we will guide you through this as queer individuals or a part of the uh, Black people, are part of the LGBTQIA community." In fact, they have fully thrown us to the wolves at times. Mm-hmm fully thrown us to the walls, behind the scenes been like, oh, you do this, boy, you got this, but in the public light, never doing anything to advocate for us. In fact, are very actively resilient to the idea of even being in community or in culture with us uh, or any dialogue with us until we have passed some type of litmus that defines us as good enough. Ryan Douglas couldn't even be talked to until Ryan Douglas had New York Times bestseller. Seller. Um, I couldn't be really advocated for it until I about book deals. Um... Despite how supportive we are, despite how much we try to advocate for these thought leaders, besides despite the fact that we walk into offices and say this person, this person is an important figure in our community, you should be listening to them. For us to have to do all of that, we advocate more for these people than they advocate for us. Mm-hmm. Um, We've been a part of the conversation since the very start, and it's been wild as an experience to then watch all of them basically verify what we already knew, which is they have no interest in participating in a culture with us. They have no interest in participating in a dialogue that gives us access, and in some way, they do perceive us as competition.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, they perceive you all as competition. It's just, if you are saying, oh, there's room at the table for you, but then you... It seems like they're talking out of the same same size of their mouth as far as wanting other people at the, ta- the, the table. They want but their yet, friends at the table. They, exactly. That's the caveat. They want their friends at the table, not people who are going to challenge their notion of what is perceived as the norm or what is perceived as a good
1: black. Um, it's wild because a lot of them do perceive something. Do run themselves as revolutionary or like um counterculture, but because they're not in dialogue with anyone who's too young like who's younger than the outside trying to fuck them um they mm-hmm. have not realized that their academia and their scholarship has withered on the root because it hasn't been constant in conversation with the things that people are now talking about now they are too far above the topics that they used to gravitate to they're too above a conversation about sexual predation they're too far above about like oh I don't want to get to the interracial conversation because I feel like I'm not in your relationship and I can't say this the truth for everyone else. I was in a few of these uh, Twitter circles and I felt uncomfortable about the dialogue that was going on and how people were participating. We've had I had someone who really should have knew better say that oh these people are only saying anything about my relationship to this white man because they're jealous and they i'm like so you're implying that these black people are jealous of your access to whiteness that's not an okay thing to say especially for you and your politics you know that's not okay to say right like um
0: i, I i'm in a in a really interracial relationship and mm-hmm. i was in a lot of those spaces and i didn't feel as if they were specifically attacking me but i get where they're coming from as far as not wanting to be with a white person at all, feeling as though a white man is inherently predatory in a sense uh, of what they discussed, and I can't I can't fault them for feeling that way because history has proven that a majority of white men move in that space. So why would I? get pissed off at them for feeling how they feel when they have data to back up how they feel you know what i mean that yeah, it just that's the
1: issue there was data they did cite their sources I and think that's the, people that, yeah. up. like i think about angelica ross being really vulnerable when she was talking about her marriage to a white man Mm-hmm. Um, and how she was like a lot of the relationship that I even hadn't even noticed like I was one of those people who like really decried everyone who was coming up to me and saying like oh you're sleeping with the white devil and like all these things so, like, full Tia Maori jokes full uh, <laughs> <laughs> the spirit Tamara has taken you over girl you need an exorcism uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that energy in the conversation but then she's like I hadn't realized in the relationship how much our relationship hinges on me basically siphoning his white privilege me like, coddling this white privilege and also the inherent successes I was receiving being due to white privilege and what I was kind of brushing aside every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conversation of like, these are the inherent factors that went into my interracial relationship that I never really chose to address. Or like the understanding was, I'm sacrificing my ability to stand fully and in, in it because I was acknowledging myself not to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, not even the conversation, like, oh, this is every interracial relationship, but this is like, it's like she's basically talking about these are things that you do need to actually think about when you're in an interracial relationship because right. it helps codify like the every every relationship is about compromise true but the compromises within a relationship that can't be compromises when you're discussing like black identity um and there was talking about like, especially like oh the fact that these people are in the entertainment industry like bryson is a athlete And inherently, people are like, oh, well, that's different. He's still an entertainer. There's still access associated with that. Mm -hmm. And now, by dating this, as wild as it is, dating this white man gets some access to these higher-end people within our community who now perpetuate, like, you guys go on trips together. You guys go on functions together. You guys, this man is old enough to have been a veteran in 2002. Mm -hmm. There are inherent benefits to dating a white man that they're talking about. And it's the question of, if these are the benefits, if you're receiving all this and you are acknowledging, we're acknowledging that you have very little power, how is that power popping up? This is a conversation on power at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, this is not a, a condemnation of this little boy for dating this grown-ass man, because at the end of the day, within this circumstance, the little boy had very little power, even if he pursued a relationship. Um, and. and okay. I didn't take too kindly to these people being called victims because they can look at it and they're like, oh, when I was in the college, you know, I was a little bit, I was always going after older men. And like, that's what gave me my strength. That's why I'm so strong right now. Y'all some pussies because y'all make black, being black and queer seem like such a victim complex. And this meditation on how much power and how much prestige you have for doing this thing over other people doing this thing. And like, fundamentally, there was just so much going on in our thought leaders and our elders who never wanted to be leaders. Just talking about like, oh, I'm still young in my head. Like, I'm still young. I just want to be selfish. I want to live my life. I don't want to have to worry about being, asked to be an elder. I'm not an elder yet. I'm like, you might not, I think the conversation here within that, you guys are intentionally misleading the topic. You're talking about eldership as if we're not also talking about leadership. And you guys have platformed Mm -hmm. yourself. Right, I'm like looking at a number of them. I'm like, Preston, you platform yourself as a leader. You take pay, you get paid to come out to companies and talk about them about DEI, Black queerness, race, things like that. George, you do it too. You're literally the face of the fight against the book bans. Mm-hmm. Dana White, you definitely do it in the D.C. area. Right. Everyone yeah. knows about you, Dana. Everyone. The T is palpable.
0: They're and it just seems like they were... Um, putting their resumes and that that should have been oh I've done this and done that and yada 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 I wrote this book I'm like okay well believe for you but that doesn't go to the actual topic that we were discussing and you basically it it felt to me as if they were um, not trying to talk about the yeah it was. it's always ego. It is always ego, no matter any I'm like, any if you're instance. saying
1: that you are not elders, your experience mean that you lead conversation or you have any clemency in here, then stop listing your resume in the first place because your resume is your age. Mm-hmm. It's your experience within the topic. Your experience, you're saying your experience is not free to grab, so you're not offering it. Then you probably should have shut the fuck up because you're not, other than you being annoyed with the topic, there's no reason for you to have even commented on it. And if you're saying, I have a right to comment on anything, well, now they do too. And right. you're saying, like, oh, well, the difference is I have experience in this. And I'm like, well, your experience doesn't exactly necessitate anything if you're not using it to be constructive within the situation at hand. All these people are being constructive. Each and every one of them, as banjee and as loud as they are, which y'all do say y'all love, but only when it's like benefiting y'all. Y'all get to twerk on national TV and say, oh, this is me participating in a culture that you were never really a part of. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the conversations of how they want to have it, and yes, they invited some people up, and they said, and they got tore the fuck down because those people were belligerently incorrect. I'd be like threatening to fight someone over this white man,
0: right? Why, like why that, that? somebody was asking for somebody's location. I was like, look, th- it, there's a certain point where that part of the conversation got dangerous because you can, and that uh, somebody like, was I know like, to
1: tell is annoying. All right i did it (laughs) jatella is fucking annoying i don't personally fuck with Mm jatella um jatella said things to me in a low stakes conversation and started trying to drag me in a low stakes conversation and i'm like i'm not playing with it this is not the game i want to do um i have better shit to do than this it's the reason why i don't really get along with afro pessimists as much because i think that their politic is devoid of hope and i think fundamentally the work that we do is hope. Uh um it's hopeful it needs to be because if you're saying that we're angry then you need to have the outlet that that makes the mission worth the while um i think faith is one of the systems and one of the tools that we have lost within the work that we're doing that our our elders quote unquote that we still call on who accept that term um we're always fundamentally drenched in and i think it's a sign of our current you know spiritual um foundation that we we can't really access that because we have so much trauma especially associated with the christian um dogma of it all especially blackbird men mm-hmm. um but that being said some of y'all are just dickheads and like i don't like how y'all talk to people and if y'all had said half that shit to me i would have called you a little bitch to myself and we would have went around back and forth and the politics would have came back up um never miss miss identifying you never misrepresenting the topic but that's kind of the issue that a lot of y'all can't both be mean and also be able to have the conversation because you root your identities and being correct i never disagreed like i disagree with some aspects of calling it intellectual masturbation It's something that dana said um because i want to give explicit, explicit um nomenclature to explicit people if i can um he okay. called it uh, they called it intellectual masturbation mm-hmm. um and i think and with especially like with their new degrees now i'm like i feel like that's not fair because that's also you loading your experience over people Um, I feel like that's also structuring the conversation around how much you know about a topic and you're giving discredit to new scholars. That is ageism inherently. Mm -hmm. And you guys are talking about like, oh, calling us elders. It feels like an an ageist dog whistle to me, to be honest, to the age. Um, And I'm like, well, inherently how you're talking to these young people is ageable, right? Because you... All actually do have more power than these people. You all sit in multi, like a million dollar offices at a in an expensive ass city. Each and every one of you are flying across the country. Like George, you just got on an air, off an airplane. I know you just got off an airplane. I saw your <laughs> I saw your Instagram story. Um we were supposed <laughs> to be meeting weeks ago, and we haven't been able to because you're flying everywhere. And Dana, you live in D.C. You commute to work. You mm-hmm. live in an expensive apartment with your partner, you take your dogs for walks, and, like, you go to parties, and you have lucrative amounts of income um, that you can just divulge into different things. I'm like, Preston, you're literally on fucking TV right now.
0: Right, I see you, girl. And, and like, all of that, literally.
1: <laughs> Preston reached out to the people in question to have a dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's the only person to do it. I'm like, this is inherently, you're talking to people who have to crowdsource just to eat next month.
0: Right, or I had to pay a uh rent
1: or who are struggling, and you're like, struggling. Well, because yeah. no one fucking likes you and I'm like well have you considered the fact that the circumstances of their life is why they act like this maybe potentially they could use a mentor figure or would y'all rather just cuss them out and call them stupid all day and now like inherently these are the people who will inherit the shit after you're done and also, the mm-hmm. wild part is you're saying all this stuff about the respect for elders and elder worship and elder leadership. Your generation is the one that let down the generation that came before us, the most vital ones to our community. Y'all didn't help them. Mm-hmm. These are self-perpetuating cycles within Black queer conversations that I think it should not have spun out like this in a way that people have said very serious things that have very permanent repercussions. Right. Uh, Me being G-checked by Kirk Moore. Wow. Um, a lot of different elements of the conversation and now people just don't want to talk anymore um and the conversation channels have shut down entirely and it's as a result of the ego of the older generation and i know they can be like oh well both sides you know had extremes and like you know the younger generation really just needs to be more open to the conversations without being you know too dogmatic i'm like yeah but that's like watching a 16 year old sibling look at his three-year-old and hit him and his it's like you try to explain to your mama why you can't stand your three-year-old little brother, and they look at you and go, well, they're three. Right. That, exactly. <laughs> you have the decision to walk away here. Right. You have the power to walk away here. You have all the power in these conversations, and instead of choosing to exert that power in the way that you probably should, you choose to demean, bully, assault, um, oppress, repress, and the only thing that it serves in these in any situation where order is like maintained through the illusion of what a power structure should be is whiteness. Because at the end of the day, we're spending less time. When you say, like, we should be over these topics, we should not be talking about The more moments we spend not talking about these topics, the more whiteness and the inherent, like, victimization of people win. Because mm-hmm. these things thrive in silence. You should be asking for people to be as loud as possible, also most effective, when they're being as loud as possible, rather than telling them to be silent altogether because it's inconveniencing you.
0: That's it. I mean, it, it's... Yeah, because we could go on and on talking about this because I felt like the older people were, oh, because I'm inconvenienced or because you all are saying a type something that I don't like, then I'm bored with the conversation. Just because you're bored with the conversation doesn't mean what they're saying is not true. And you say a lot of these... Elders claim that they're down for queer black uh, boys. Well, these queer black boys are telling you what's wrong and you're just negating them as if there's some, they're throwing a tantrum. And it it was just very, (sighs) I wanted to say gross. It was gross that what they were doing. And now, like you said, the communications are just down across the board. So do we even achieve anything because like you say it, people's egos got in the way.
1: Yeah, kicked out to the circles. Like people used to be checking up on my uh Instagram stories old back today, mm-hmm. um, aren't doing it anymore. Like there is clear walls thrown up. I think now that there was clarification of we're not community, love is our community, which is very telling of the age of the people who are talking about that. Because I think um of my generation and younger, there's more understanding like, oh yeah, you can meet someone online and still perpetuate like community with them um who you are attached to is not limited by the bounds of space whereas they're like if I never touched you I've never met you in person and you never you know I never watched you suck dick at a, a circuit party late one night and told no one about it then we're not good Judies and like you can't I you can't tell me nothing about who I am um which is still ironic because each of these people have, have criticized me before mm-hmm. each of them have tried to step, pull me aside and go, you know, just as an older person, I just want to let you know that this wasn't the way you should probably do that, and maybe next time think about it like this, and then the moment I say, okay, well, you guys are elders because you guys take up the role of trying to rear a younger, former generation, and go, no, actually, I'm not, I've never been, it never gave elder, I'm will, we're peers, baby. You're 15 years older than me, you old as fuck. (laughs) Old as shit. Old as (laughs) as Methuselah, you are too old, like if you're not ancient, you're too old to be doing this. And you're too old to be trying to keep up with twenty something year olds at your big age. I'll also calling them young at your big age. Like this, we're not peers, baby. We're not. Yeah. Especially because if I hit some of you, if I if I went walk up on on instrument number one saying that, like, oh, you've been subbing me all this entire time, which you don't know what subbing is. You're this is not your culture. Subbing, mm. you're thirty eight. <laughs> 38, um, if I had rolled up on you, if I treated you like you were actually one of my peers and I said, there's a back alley right next to us, open right. an opportunity, let's do something about it, um, I'd get in trouble. I would suffer from professional drawbacks from that because inherently I do not have the presence within the industry for me to do something to someone and I get away with it without being labeled violent, aggressive, things like that. Um that an older member of our community will be able to do. And it's seen as like, oh, well, that was just an irresponsible use of your leadership. Maybe you should think about it. Or, oh, well, I can understand why you came down to that. And it's okay, because it's not like they're in the union. So mm-hmm. you can do that. And it's just seen as just a it's, just a, it's just a, no-no thing you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Because inherently, that is the factor we're dealing with. You are a senior member of the industry, which means that we are not peers, which means that you curry experiential-based um, developments that guarantee you a higher status within the community and so inherently i can't punch up at you unless i curry some type of social agency
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and even then that social agency will be about vanity
0: yeah i i hope communication comes back online because i really a lot of the things that Uh, were discussed, you know, after the arguing, I'm still sitting with and trying to navigate, well, how it affects me and my life and the experiences that I have with different people. So I hope people can get it together. I'm not optimistic about it, but...
1: I'm not either. I just, I don't think it will ever come up again until... Um until these people are forced to kind of reckon with the physic like the physical reflection of these things. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna take them being face to face with people that they say the comments to um before they can really receive it. And I think that the accusations of people being greedy for the attention of these thought leaders, um, being seen as a bad thing, being seen as carceral, is a reflection of who we should probably specifically pay attention to for the future conversations of like who is participating in things that might have been hit dog coloring, because um, mm-hmm. I know who tried to fuck me um, in these conversations when <laughs> uh, possibly I could have used a mentor instead. Um, and even if I was like, OK, I'm down, I'm going to give a fuck. It's only after I gave up on the idea of y'all serving as leaders within these spaces instead are just present in the spaces that you guys found would be lucrative for your careers. Um, I'm very protective of black digital online spaces because black digital online spaces are what guaranteed a lot of people the careers that they have now and the conversations that need to happen. And I'm kind of tired of people undermining these conversations when they feel like they have a drag in them um, rather than reinforcing the idea that we have created our own space within itself that's where they being protected. Um, if you don't see it, stop trying to sell your shit online in these spaces and using our hashtags and our, sp- and our uh, dialogue. Um, to do it because at this point I think it's very it's very foreseeable to just ostracize you from it and lead you to speaking in your same circles that you could have been speaking to when you were offline
0: exactly and with that that is Aunt May's tea it was a healthy dosing Um, I think that was a good section Uh, so now to get lighten it up a little bit because that was a little a touch of heavy. Um, we're going to talk about um, one of my favorite cartoons created in King's Eye's issue. And I asked Stephen on here to, you know, give his thoughts about the show, favorite, uh, favorite characters, storylines, emotional moments. And we're going to talk about Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. So once you uh for, how were you introduced to the series?
1: I watched the very first episode when it premiered back in the day. Um I mm-hmm. used to be a big fan of Batman, the anime series, of Superman, the animated series. Let's go Superman. It was always a Batman anime series that was really like popping off. Right. Um and I was there when they introduced the Justice League for like that first big um collaborative team effort where they were fighting against the uh I think they were at the Raxians. Um like, they were in the comics, uh, and they went toe-to-toe against them, the alien invasion. They succeeded, and they were like, let's form a team. We're going to be homies and shit. Mm-hmm. I, those was weird. I never really caught Justice League on a consistent level, because Toonami would play games. <sighs> but how late it would come on. It would. And, how early, and like, it, mm-hmm. it got bizarro. It was getting weird. Um yeah I'm not going to lie, but then I think I really attached to it. Like, I know generally what was going down in the episode sequences and like all of the subject matter and everything pertaining to it. I remember when Aquaman had his old blow up, and they were like, Aquaman's gonna be hot. He's gonna be cool. And he's not mm-hmm. like gonna be a loser like in Super Friends. And he's gonna have a fish hook hand. And like all of that, and even like the introduction of Dr. Fate in these stories, or um, like there's lots of different elements of it. Leading into Justice League Unlimited, which I think is everyone's most formative memory is is of unlimited. Um mm-hmm. but that's when the Justice League went. We're actually the Avengers now.
0: Basically, um, yeah. I remember so
1: yeah, I yeah, long memory. I remember like um
0: when I was maybe early high school when Toonami would then come on at night and they would have like, oh, this hour is Justice League. And they would do like the two part series, uh, the two part episode, Um, and I was like, okay, cool, I can get with this. And then, like you said, Toonami was always fucking around with their damn schedule. Um, It would be on this night, and then going for like a month and a half, and so I wasn't consistent with watching uh, Justice League until I was much older, and it came on um, like Netflix, and I was like, oh, okay, and I enjoy it so much because there's a level uh even though it's a geared toward kids there's a level of seriousness a of very life. seriousness in adult themes um especially when uh they refer to something sexual like when they're talking about the flash or when they're talking about um i remember the Everybody interaction
1: was fucking. <laughs> And Justice League, everybody was fucking, everybody fucking so down. Down to the season two when they introduced uh that whole Sindel thing <laughs> or Sindel wannabe. <laughs>
0: oh uh what's like her name? Yes. Faust. She was fucking
1: uh <laughs> Gorilla Groud, then she was fucking uh Lex what's her name, Talia? Lex Gorilla Groud Felix Faust. She said she fucks Felix Faust for magic now. Girl. <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't she was uh what's her name? Uh Not Diamond, but what's that? Yeah. Um, I, the seriousness is one thing that gravitated towards me because, you know, X-Men, the animated series, was long gone. That ended, I want to say, 97. So when Justice League, when I got to watching it um, regularly, it was kind of like that void as far as a uh, superhero team-up type show. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, it was, like I said, this is one of my favorite cartoons of all time. Uh, I thought it was, the animation is so well done. The voice acting, they had a lot of prominent actors in the role of, uh, all of the characters from, Mm -hmm. you know, Kevin Conroy reprised his role as Batman, um, what's his name, uh, the dude that was in he was in Scandal. He played uh one of the, the killers. The um, he was Superman's voice. God, what is his name? This is gonna kill me. Um Georgia Newburn. Uh, 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 I Byrne. yeah, he was uh Superman and then uh Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman and um uh, Phil Lamar as Green Lantern. Oh, John yeah. Stewart. Yeah, John Stewart. Um I, I I thought the the act the voice acting was some of the best act voice acting in a series. Uh so let's go to some of your favorite episodes.
1: Top of the memory. Um, One Woman fucking curve stopping every female Justice League member let's Uh, talk about those (laughs) girls up and down that goddamn arena it was she stormed that motherfucker (laughs) when she when she rose up out of
0: that uh when they were doing the cage fight it was i think the episode was called girl fight and she rose up everybody was shooketh it was uh black canary um shaira aka hawk girl vixen and the huntress huntress
1: a team of bad bitches. Fully. <laughs> right.
0: And then women. Hair down
1: the goddamn back, except for a Vixen with her finger waves. It by the way, anyone on news knows I fully believe fin- uh Vixen has finger waves. Uh with the haircut that's supposed to be represented right there. Either that was the Holly Berry shortcut. The one that she had in uh Flintstones
0: or mm-hmm. Ooh. Oof. I always loved the Vixen. She was
1: just so fucking sexy to me. Um that bitch. That episode, I, that I like, love that. look at Shea's like, I wish you would fuck my man. Uh-huh. <laughs> that
0: I love that little dynamic between the Vixen and uh Shire. She's like, oh. Please fuck him. Get him out <laughs> of <our> my house. <laughs> Please get this nigga up out of my house. He's yeah. Um He ain't got no job my benefits <laughs> running around here and i remember she was a, uh she's a model so i remember there was an episode where she was at a show and he had met her um mm-hmm. uh so girl fight that was a good episode what's another um episode of favorite episode of yours
1: so i love the episode we got turned into children because i think it was one of the few really down episodes that they ever did really effectively like because it showed like the dynamics of who they were as kids Uh And it was, like, they meshed really well. I think it was also, like, how they handled... I think the themes of that episode really carried over to Young Justice um, Mm -hmm. because it was the elements of, like, they're very serious about what they are doing. Like, this is their job. They are heroes. Um, But at the same time, like, this is, like, what it's like to be a kid. Like, there's inherent things that are going to go into that nature of how, like, they kind of... I don't think they had a child psychologist on a goddamn set just going, okay, so we're going to talk about it. And, like... Uh (laughs) How these things kind of change, like Wonder Woman being, uh, having a crush on, being attracted to Batman, and Batman being attracted to Wonder Woman, and how they contextualize that, and like how they responded to each other, how mm-hmm. one rejected the other, um, Batman being a very serious child, um, because he would be, but he's very he's very Dick Grayson adjacent as a kid.
0: Yes, yes. I once you say
1: that it makes total sense. Um, John Stewart being, like, hyper-imagination. Um, he's, like, pure, like, impulsive dream, but uh, really goal-oriented. And he was like, you know, I used to wear glasses as a kid, so now I got to wear glasses again.
0: I always picture him like that kid being on the spectrum. Um, not so much as autism it's maybe Asperger's or some kind of social anxiety ailment
1: once we talk about it. But... I think super I think Superman was the most straightforward it was just like this is a kid who grew up on a farm and so he's gonna be the most hyper diligent hyper like he's like extremely diligent straight straightforward like mm-hmm. I had a job since I was out my mom was um I was, basically I was tractors and sorting hay and like moving cows since I dropped like baby, <laughs> I know how to do a job right playtime was that playtimes was sleep that was that was playtime that was it
0: I think one of my favorite episodes was um, the two-parter... Oh, God. um, Where they basically, the original seven broke up. um, And they had to fight uh, the Secret Society. That's what it was called. Um, And they were just so pissed off at each other. They were doing this. They were doing that. um, And then they had to basically fight uh, Rod and his little henchmen uh and then after after they fought oh we still meant what we said about each other i still don't like you but i think that was a good dynamic to show kids and basically adults i may not like you i may even maybe hate you but i'm gonna get the job done and i thought that was good the uh the episode uh for the man who has everything the first episode in uh um, no, second episode in justice league unlimited where um what's his name gave him that flower gave superman that flower like that gave him his heart's desire exactly and then he had to say i don't he told his kid that i don't think you're real that was really tough to see uh or tough to watch and well, him he crying his fist through that motherfucker's face after that he was like i'm done i am pissed I'm girl <laughs> meet don't even meet me outside i'm gonna come to you and we are gonna get it popping and he was oh you, you
1: said you wanted to kill superman i'm gonna let you oh um,
0: i'm gonna just step Fair aside shot. come do it i'm gonna step aside and you know wonder woman was the one person holding that uh episode together because if there's not one thing diana is not gonna do she's going to fight no matter who it is i don't give a damn if it's your mama your daddy your little kids Diana is with the shits, hands down, and I love there that. Let's go.
1: Regardless,
0: <laughs> regardless of the cartoon, movie, video game, she's gonna she's gonna fight, and I love that. I love that about her.
1: On my uh, next up on my top list is *Wake the Dead*. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The episode with Solomon Grundy and Shara returning to the team, and her mm-hmm. first mission back is she has to kill Solomon Grundy. Uh, because he is fully gone and like he needs to be euthanized, mm-hmm. um, deeply unsettling, deeply sad episode.
0: That the I remember the the initial before the opening credits where the kids were doing that little pentagram and the guy opens the door and he shoves his uh punches the door and it just cuts off. That used to scare the absolute shit out of me because you know you don't know see what's going on and all of a sudden you see this and then it. That's another thing that they do really good with uh, silence in this uh, series. That um, There was one part where they go back in time uh, into the 40s or 50s and the kid that is uh, affected by Fallout um, has that whole thing. And there's the, the opening scene where Flash creates some kind of portal and it's just quiet. And then it goes into the opening scene. I love when they do that shit. I think um, another one of my favorites is when Solomon actually dies on that episode um, before he's brought back. And he's telling uh, Shaira that he's going away. Oh, that will never not make me cry because she's it's like, I don't believe him, but. Woo. Yeah, that's a good one. And I think my final one is one of my favorites. Is a well, it's not a one singular episode, I guess it's the the storyline of Cadmus and the introduction of Amanda Waller, and mm-hmm. that whole I will go on record saying it's CCH Pounders. Amanda Waller is better
1: than Viola Davis because oh, there's yeah. a certain Viola element. Davis is just doing, just doing, CC uh, Foundry. Yeah, she's just doing that. That's just she's she's trying. She's channeling that energy, right? Um, with a little bit of you know how to get away with murder.
0: Mm-hmm. A little bit of Annalise in there. It's but CC CCHS is just. I don't know. There's a little something a je ne sais quoi there that. I think it's so much better. And that whole uh that whole storyline of Cadmus, I would love to see that in live action, but knowing how the state of DC is right now, they're just trying to get they shit together, which they if they wanted to, they should have had their shit together way back in 2016. But who's um they don't pay me to do that
1: and overall i also do miss a lot of the magic episodes of justice league like their magic episodes were gravity-defying um talk about tala <laughs> a lot but she was serving bullfish uh the entire time i one of her appearances to really earn that i think their dark side episodes uh were really good of just illustrating like the impact i think they were really pivotal in recontextualizing dark side as a cold, silent, like dark figure. Mm-hmm. Um, Lex Luthor's Rise and Fall. Like there's different aspects of the overall series that just melds real well. I think my next big one right after my final one would be was Supergirl's episode where she meets the Legion of uh, Legion of Superheroes. Um, oh, and she, she stays
0: behind.
1: Yeah, Whoa. she stays behind. She has to fight Jon Stewart. That's the only mm-hmm. time you really see that Jon Stewart's actually fucking powerful as shit. Right. Um because he never really spotlights among like the context of the wider hero nation, Um, because he's always right next to Superman, and Superman uh-huh. is always doing some extra shit. Uh, it
0: it just seems like they kind of downplayed Superman, which I'm kind of cool with because it gave the other the other heroes a chance to step into the spotlight. Because we know Superman can take a punch. Mm-hmm. Everybody else. I wanted to see them in battle heavies. Especially, you know, not some of the, the less stronger ones. You know
1: what I mean? Really, I think it's the most equal um, comparative power level that he should have uh, relatively, rather than like in the comics, they're always boosting him for out of context reasons. And that gets applied to his wider feats. Because he's Superman. But I don't think he's actually capable of a lot of the shit that we see him doing uh, outside of I call Superman a glorified Green Lantern ring because he has to recharge, he has to charge up, and so you mm-hmm. know, the Green Lantern rings, as much as they say like, "Oh, it's based on your will," I'm also really partial to the rings being like, it also depends on your charge, um, because at full battery you're gonna do a bunch of shit versus uh, battery at fifty percent.
0: Right. There was a oh, one final. Oh, if I had to choose one final favorite episode, it's between the uh, Justice Lords episodes or the return of uh, Dr. Ivan's android when he came and just was coming for Lex. He's like, no, I I told you I was going to come back and I'm back. So where are you? So I I was going to kill you. Um, That one, you got to see literally the whole league try to fight this robot and nothing can break him and then he went over to get uh therapy with dr fave
1: it's, it's, it's all Doctor would do is just give you therapy you <laughs> do it for therapy and that's it <laughs> right
0: <laughs> so i i hinted on this earlier uh but um what are some of your favorite emotional moments of the series
1: i think top of the list for everyone i was going to be ace and Batman, um, right? Batman and Ace meeting for the first time, and like him walking up in there, she's like, "I'm gonna let you through because you're not gonna use that with me." And he was like, "I'm not." He was like, "I just think like that whole human human aspect of like I just thought you should have someone to sit and talk to um mm-hmm. before you go." Get that. The somberness of that scene, I think encapsulates the elements of why I never agree that Batman would lose his shit or shit lose his shit for killing the Joker. Um, I know they like the thing of like, oh, he's deeply insane, but I'm like, the thing that keeps most people from doing insane shit is empathy. I don't know. It's not...
0: Right. That the that narrative doesn't make sense, so yeah, that, I, I get what you're saying.
1: But yeah, that was my top of the list emotional moment. Um, comes to the forefront of my mind a lot, but I think other elements Um. overall do any of them really care compared to them? I think they topped it. My second favorite emotional moment is when um they were fighting Cersei, Batman, and Zatana, and <laughs> Cersei made Batman sing a song. <laughs> uh huh, yeah, Undo do the spell because it's just a deeply unserious moment. <laughs> It's the, it, right. I, I
0: remember watching it for the first time. She was telling him that there's something you have to give up, something that matters to you. And I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, and then all of it, it cuts to him singing, uh, "What am I blue or something mm-hmm. like that?" And I'm like, "What?" But it is. It was just uh That was a fun episode. And seriously, was she was another one that was serving kind when that little. Mm-hmm. That, that hair and that little um Where, that episode the that, armor the
1: dress right right
0: <laughs> that was pretty I think emotionally just rabbit that right Jessica she was, rabbit red gown exactly red. I was like alright my girl <laughs> and that little song that she sang um guess who's back in town or something like that I was like that shit is catchy singing that uh, all up and through the house um. Emotional moments for me, uh, when Solomon Grundy died the first time, uh, Superman realizing that his dream was only a dream, uh, Ace actually dying, um, when Hawkgirl actually left at the end of, uh, Justice League, and, um, her and John are saying, he, I- I- paraphrasing again, when John was like, was all of it just a lie? She's like, no, I I loved you, John. And then she left, and then he started crying, and then I started crying. It was so good. And if you haven't seen it, y'all, I don't know what the hell you're doing. It's on uh, HBO Max. It To this day, it holds up. It's on Max, it's on Netflix, so I don't know why you're, why you still haven't watched it, but it. Like you said, it holds up today. Um, I would love to see them reintroduce it again in some image or like a continuation of it, like they're doing with X Men '97, which I don't know if it's. Gonna, if they said that was going to come out this year, which I don't, I don't know. Do
1: it. I think they're too busy trying. Like I think everyone will be too mad about Young Justice not finishing up. Before we mm-hmm. move on to fucking Justice League. I think um, at the very most might do, do a spin-off of Young Justice as the full Justice League. Because at this point, no one's young on the show. Right, right. It's just
0: <laughs> no one's it's young. just justice now.
1: <laughs> they're just a Justice League. Um and then there's also the aspect of I know Titans just ended. What what else was the thing that they could have done? Oh, I think they're trying to get launched Legions of the Superheroes. Uh, as a franchise. I think that's probably the best. Really? I prefer The Legion of Superhero because they're X-Men coded. hmm uh, <laughs> <laughs> The Legion of Superheroes is very much the X-Men. Um, they just say they aren't. <laughs> but they are.
0: Right. I haven't... Now, there's a, uh, an animated movie, The Legion of Superheroes, isn't there? That just yeah.
1: released? or I saw it. It's okay.
0: I saw your, your tweets about it. It was predictable, but it was
1: so that was good. like one of my uh, mutuals, but I didn't disagree. It was like uh, kind of predictable. It was uh, like they started doing stuff. They have a really good fight scenes in it. Um, I think it's a better adaptation of well, not a better. It's an okay adaptation of Brainiac. Um, I like Brady. Uh uh-huh. He's kind of like a wizard, but like not. And like it gets into the math matters of what it means to be a twelfth level intellect. Uh uh-huh. Um, it's basically being such good, so good at science, you basically are a wizard. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's they I it's one of my favorite moments of, X, of Justice League Unlimited when they like have let's let the go, I'm a 12th-level intellect. And like I guess I read about right behind the scenes just looking up Brainiac. I said, like, Yeah, that was a really um controversial scene because only Brainiac is supposed to be a 12th level intelligence. And for anyone else, not even Dark Side is a 12th level intelligence. Uh-huh. Um, there's no real definition for it. It's kind of like saying you're omega-level mutant back before Hoxpox happened. Um, but it's like it was really comprehensive. They were like, it means that you operate on an intellectual level where you can basically do theological um machinery, uh-huh. which is something like. You're basically able to do math and, like, science on the level of the Celestials if you were in the Marvel Universe. Um, Which is magic. You're just doing magic at that point. <laughs> that, yeah.
0: At this point, yeah, it's tomato, tomato. Um,
1: that's inventing pin particles, though, bullshit.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, like, I can see why they were upset at saying Lex Luther is that, because, like, he never gave that. Like, Lex Luthor, he's a genius. Don't get him wrong. But it kind of takes you, like, a few... 100 automated um, AI universes before you reach 12-level intelligence, baby. First, worry about conquering one planet, let alone creating your own species.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, there was...
1: Um... Shit,
0: I forgot what the fuck I was going to say. um Oh, yeah, about Lex. How they shaded him, like, literally shaded him in the... I did not get white. I got Dominican... Puerto Rican, biracial, little
1: Indian mix, like there's a biracialness to it. This is a good. Point. Yeah, I never got like a smart white
0: guy. I never got Jesse Eisenberg from that Justice League, and he was. This is why I thought like the casting of Lex Luthor in a live action movie was so stupid because there's a certain suaveness to Lex
1: like Giancarlo Esposito to play like
0: that's not a bad idea. Um, hell, that man, that
1: motherfucker works.
0: Uh, but Jesse as Lex, I'm like, I didn't see it at all. I saw um, Mark Zuckerberg playing Lex Luthor in a Justice League movie. It was just so wrong to me. Was, um. But yeah, did you you I guess you're in agreement as far as Lex in the Justice League cartoon was not coded
1: white. He was not. Um, I think the only white part about him was like his fascination with uh with uh being a hater. <laughs> He's deeply invested. I'm like super genius, but I'm deeply invested in hater culture. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact I think reverse flash doesn't go far enough. Uh, right. Yes.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you this question about the series. Now that you've watched it as an adult, what are your intellectual takeaways from it if that makes any sense?
1: Um I think intellectually they underutilized Martian Manhunter um overall as a character and as an enterprise and as experience that thing they rectified that with Young Justice uh where they had basically they had John just go like I was a black man for a few decades on earth that shit kind of sucked <laughs> not gonna lie <laughs> uh um, this shit was fucking terrible and it just taught me that on Mars we are we can learn a lot from them um uh, by mistake not by like example hmm um, but even then, a bit further, I think that overall, the series um, was deeply invested. I'm happy and not trying to look at the Justice League as police, um, police officers, and even ask the question, what does that look like when you turn the Justice League into the Justice Lords and they become an authoritarian force, how easily each other's virtues that they exalt can become a crippling and dark uh, institution. Um, mm-hmm. overall like looking at Batman always going like the fact that I don't kill is what keeps me from the line is what keeps me a good person and it keeps me from becoming the very thing that I hunt and hate and versus like the things that kind of makes you like a self what, what does spider Punk say self-aggrandizing narcissist
0: mm-hmm. I haven't seen um, a, uh, Across the Spider-Verse it, yet I I that know.
1: wasn't a spoiler that was in the trailer when he says like I don't call myself I'm not a hero because uh, to call yourself a hero is to be a self-aggrandizing narcissist. Ooh, points were made. Eight, eight, um, eight down. But honestly, I think that the makeup of this Justice League, even down to having Hawk Girl be a member of it, because that's the always contentious point, is is Hawk Girl the person who should be on the Justice League? Or should I go to Cyborg or some other character? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the institution of and like adding a character who is different but not all-powerful, gives her a perspective and gives you the ability to understand what the team really is doing when they work towards their overall goal of we're protecting Earth. And these, we have two people who are not of Earth, helping us protect Earth. And what does that mean to have two people whose morals do not unilaterally line up to our understanding of, like, society. Because I don't think Shaira... I think there's a few moments where Shaira was just like the concept of the League not killing people. I'm actually making some concessions <laughs> <laughs> Right. You may
0: not kill, but I kill. So what I mean, does that humans leave us? don't
1: kill. She's like, I'm not human. <laughs> right.
0: So I'm going to kill some motherfuckers. And I see, if Justice League was a uh, rated... Like, if it was a Apocalypse War type movie, she would have had some bodies laid clean out if they allowed her to kill but yeah shair was one of those i'm gonna kill i'm gonna use my mace and ask questions later type of bitch much like in the instance of uh very brutal yeah yeah it, it seems like she was in the same vein as diana but not to the extreme point of it um i remember there was that episode where um the uh, Amazon had left the, the left the island and she wanted to kill all the men. And Shayera made a vo- very unnecessary point to Diana. She said, you don't your island teaches to hate men. So this just seems like the next the next realm or the next tier of that hatred is to just wipe them out. And Diana was like, "Oh well, we never did. We never um told people to kill." But I'm like, "Well, you do p- tell people to hate men, so you know it makes sense to."
1: Wow. See, I think that's one of the things I most hate whenever men try to depict feminism. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> is this misconception of what feminism? Because especially when reading, reading Wonder Woman historia, which I really. I tell everyone to read it because it gives you the context of why the Amazon was so important, um, as a construct. Like it's real easy to look at them and go like, "Oh, you guys teach to hate men." It's just nothing but misandry, which misandry makes points. All right, as someone who's dated men, oh. all right. <laughs> <laughs> not great, not um, great. But overall, the historian pointed out like this is the culture that the Amazons were born into. And I think that first page, I have the book in my other room. I just got it. Um, the full volume of it.
0: Isn't the that book with the Wonder the Woman. Wonder Woman and she has that peacock? Um...
1: That's not Wonder Woman. That's Hera. So it's the goddesses. Oh, and their okay. creation. Because they said the gods made the um the Amazons. But that's not accurate. The goddesses made the Amazons. And the goddesses made them as the champion, and the saviors of uh-huh. women. So basically the first page opens up like these are all the atrocities that women suffered. It was like assaults um violence acrimony like oppression um suppression repression like it was like all the sins committed Mm -hmm. against women and they use vases to kind of depict them like because like even get mythological about it this is what happens to women some of it is not a result of gods but some of it is a result of men um being given the infinite power over the world as a part of the world order and Hera going no more Mm -hmm. um going up to the gods and saying like we have bear borne witness to the atrocities committed against the gender. The guys go, like, you're not actually women. And they're like, Yeah, but we're feminine representatives. We are what they aspire to be. It says, Well, you're not normal girls. So you can't really. It says, No, it doesn't matter what we present as or what our conscience are. We represent women on the level of divinity. And this is what we were perceiving. Mm-hmm. Women are being hurt and they're being victimized in a way, in a level that is so profound that not even men can really understand what's going on here. And the male gods going well, this is the natural order of things. Zeus himself reinforced the natural order of things and saying, I have a vision for the world and this is it. And none of you can tell me about my vision because I am Zeus and I'm all-knowing and I all present. Right. Hera, remove herself from the decision afterwards she says she can't go against her husband. And to do so would be catastrophic because Hera infamously have the gift, has the gift of foresight. And instead of taking that line down um, the goddesses create the first Amazons. Together, mm-hmm. they add a gift to each one. And instead of choosing Amazons, like this happens in the series, they sculpted them from scratch. Um, and it depicts, like, they will operate under the dark where the gods do not have the domain, which means, like, it's Apollo. Apollo can see everything under the sun. And Artemis controls everything under the moon. And she's mm-hmm. like, they will move through the night. They will be cunning and strong. They will do all these things. They'll be heroes on the level of the weapons that the gods use against them from their bastards. Uh, but they won't have any male influence because they will serve women. Never ended the day, did they ever go after any old men. Neither did they never have rules about what they were doing. They governed themselves through democracy and like this exalted sense of divine feminine. Um, mm-hmm. And they only committed violence against the men who committed violence against women. So like the first time mm. she wasn't a goddess. She was never a goddess. She was always a mortal. And she used to work work as a nursemaid. And back in the day, she's talking about what you do if you gave birth to too many daughters. Sometimes one daughter is one too many. And you have to take them to the woods and you have to give them to the generosity of the goddesses, which is a fancy way of saying, we're leaving them out for the wolves to come eat this baby. Mm. Um yeah. Hippolyta has done it before, but this one child, she kind of put into a basket instead. She didn't want to leave it out for animals. Um, And she let her set adrift and as she let the baby go, she regretted her decision, turned to go save the baby, and it drowned on a waterfall. Oh oh my goodness. Um, And so it really, like Hippolyta was guilty. She felt that she had succumbed to like the pain of being a woman, like the atrocities. Men committed against women. She realized that she had been an instrument in perpetuating uh-huh. um and so she ran away she was in the wilderness and then she was attacked by a roving group of men who were going to rape and kill her and the amazon saved her and that is the enterprise that went into the conception of the amazons not uh-huh. as this artifice of where she where he hating women uh man haters Um, and we hate men it's like no this was a safe space created to protect women we were the first heroes is that we were heroes of people who needed it most in greece it was women and the gods hated us for it they did thought we were a front against the natural order of things they thought that men should be able to do whatever they wanted to women and the very nature of us and protecting women and serving as a civilization that is where women come as the vanguards against the atrocities committed against women that is a sacred role to uphold. Men can't come here because women should be protected here. Um, mm-hmm. Men are not exalted here because they're exalted every other place that isn't on this island. Like they were just going down, like the reasons behind why the mascara is the way it is, mm-hmm. and resorting, reducing them down to just being men haters is like point out the old hypocrisy of man's world, right? Which is We are only but one location, but because of how you perceive us, we are now a problem.
0: Huh. Well,
1: that's. So shut up, Shaira. So you're a a double agent. That part. You are a cop.
0: (laughs) At that. Oh, God. Yeah. That's. I need to get that book because that, you know, this conversation, you talking about it. them wanting a safe space goes back to the earlier conversations that we had about gay black men wanting a safe space. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just seems even in fiction, no matter the media, there's no safe space. It it seems the safe spaces for minority people are limited. And I would, I guess there's a conversation to be had As far in comics, as far as the role of female superheroes that they play, Mm -hmm. and the dynamics of a world that is ran by men and how they navigate it through, and that can be done on based the Marvel and the DC level, that would be a good conversation. I, I don't know if I have the the bandwidth to have that because. I'm not versed in uh Marvel or DCs outside of, you know, the, the cartoons and movies. Um, yeah, we're, we might have to put a pin in that conversation, uh, have it <laughs> with more people. Uh, but uh,
1: final thoughts about Justice League? Um, a one day one greatest thing to ever exist. Thank you so much for creating it. <laughs> That's yeah, I I, I
0: think. Like I said, one of the
1: best cartoons out
0: there. Uh, If you haven't seen it, I don't know why you haven't seen it. Uh, Go rectify that immediately. Uh, It's funny. It's uh, well written. The animation's good. Voice acting's good. Uh, The storylines are good. Um, It's just A plus for me. So with that being said, that does bring an end to this. Absurdly long episode. Uh Steven, I want to thank you again so much for being on this episode um and giving everybody your wisdom and your knowledge. Um if you would uh and if you'd like uh give everybody your social media handles or where you can find be found on the internet. Um and as far as your books, if you want to promote any of your books, all that jazz.
1: Um sure. You could find me at Black Word B-L-A-Q-U-E. Word on all social channels. That's TikTok, Instagram, and also Twitter for as long as it exists. Uh, <laughs> and also Moon Blue Skies as well because I got my invitation. <laughs> is that
0: um, only? Some, is that only through invitation only?
1: You can only be invited to it. Yeah, there's a lot of tech bros on it right now. Um oh, okay. but let's get it integrated. Let's get it integrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I am currently working on Forever for the Culture, notes of the Black Digital Arts Renaissance. Um, to be slated for next year. I'm also to be D for my YA debut, Sadiata, about the first king of Mali. Okay. All um, right. Uh, we're working. We're doing things. All right. You can do hard things too.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you can follow me on uh
0: Twitter at my personal account. as what Porter says. Uh Victor's at Wonderman5. You can like, rate, subscribe to the podcast all over the internet, wherever podcasts are downloaded. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Megasheen1. On Facebook and Instagram at Megasheen1. Uh, if you have any concerns, questions, comments, you can email us at Megasheen6 at gmail.com. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, drink your water. Take your meds. Wash your ass celebrate pride how you want to celebrate pride um that is you know doesn't break a law but
1: uh which law are we talking about Ah. if you say you can't have sex in public spaces i was Mm. gonna say a dark alley Ah. no one knows about dead center nowhere that's not a big issue is it i don't think it's a big issue but then again, you, Folsom girls, I'm so proud of you. Keep it up.
0: I, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to say too much because I know how you niggas like to be. And I will just say I am proud of them, too. And until next time, you guys, we will see you all later.